0: what's going on everyone welcome to a very special episode of renegade marquee on the renegade pop culture podcast network my name is mike i'll be your host this evening joining me as
1: always is my co-host tommy greetings captain and you the listener whenever you are listening to us on this glorious occasion it is a wonderful moment to record an episode being amongst incredible individuals on a wonderful wonderful day
0: indeed um, we have a very special guest for you tonight um you have seen her on Collider Video, you have seen her on movie screens across the nation, please welcome the amazing Perry Nemiroff.
2: Hello, hello guys, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us. So this episode is a mid-year review of 2023 in film, everything from January up until, honestly, this weekend. Um, At the end of the episode, we'll present our top three films to uh, the podium. But before that, I just want to get a general feel for um, how everyone's been enjoying this year so far. So Perry, I'll start with you. What have you thought of 2023 so far?
2: That's a complicated question to answer right now because of what's going on in the industry. So I don't really really have the best vibes because of all of the strikes happening now. I would like that to be cleared up and for people to be paid fairly for their work. But just limiting it to the movies that have already come out, I am a a pretty damn happy movie lover right now. I love all genres. You guys well know my favorite genre is horror and that particular genre is just thriving in
0: 2023. Oh, yes indeed. And Yes, I do want to make this perfectly clear that we at Renegade Pop Culture stand with the writers and the actors who are fighting hard for, um, for everything that they rightfully deserve. Tommy, I'll go to you next. Your general thoughts on 2023
1: so far? 100%. I do, uh, I do stand with both the writers and the actors. Why can't they? Why can't everybody just be paid fairly? And so we can move forward and get back to the reasons why we are all a part of this industry in the first place. But as far as what we've gotten so far, the thing that speaks to me the most is just how movies this year have done that. They've been able to speak to me in more ways than one. The experience of getting back into going to the movies and enjoying just being in that seat, seeing movies, it, just as Nicole Kidman described in the AMC, in the AMC, in, in the AMC uh, uh, k- promotional campaign, it's just the way each movie, in some way, shape, or form, I've seen has spoken to me. Is what really stood has what really stands out stood out to me the most, and why I love reminding me why I love this industry in the first place and going to the movies.
0: I think the perfect example of just how great the concept of movie theaters has been is um, the the weekend of Barbie and Oppenheimer seeing, seeing like the, like the front lobby just completely packed with people to the point that if you want to get like, if you, if you want to get a good seat and, you know, get all your concessions, you really do have to get to the theater, no less than 30 minutes before showtime. That's, but yeah, that's that's just a really beautiful thing to see that, um, you know, to put it bluntly, the movies are back. And I'd I'd say every single genre has has really brought their A game this year. But I would probably give a special shout out to both horror. And even though it's not really a genre, animation this year has really been killing it.
2: Mm-hmm. That's true. One of the cool things about Bob, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer right now also is the fact that one of them isn't really taking money or movie goers from the others. It's like an all ships rise type of thing where they're both thriving alongside one another. And when something like that happens, it makes me very happy.
1: Agreed. A, a celebration of the craft at, the t- at a time when it needs it most. And, I, and there's really nothing else like it. Which, which is why it frustrates me so much that studios are
0: not really understanding this concept and they they seem to be ignoring the success of Barbenheimer because they still insist on letting their films get delayed and letting and, and just letting like their talent go um, without the things that they deserve but now I want to get into um, a bit more specifics like, fav- like favorite moments um, that really stood out this year um, Tommy what about I'll start with you. Um, are there uh, like particular moments in film that, um, that you think you'll remember for
1: a long time? Well, from a, there's a story construction standpoint. And then, as I said earlier, the experience. So let's, so sticking with story construction, when I sat, when I sit at the movies this year, I've been I've been seeing these phenomenal stories, but something that reminded me of how they spoke to me circles back to the 24th weekend of the calendar year and how that particular weekend holds a special place in the art of motion pictures. Generational superhero staples helped make that weekend special, causing the nostalgia to hit home for the viewer when reminiscing on their their legacy and their respective pop culture upbringing. Enthralled, the viewer is reminded throughout the experience why this type of release matters to them. And I thought of this when I was watching The Flash in IMAX. And Christina Hodson's screenplay is what steals the show. While the sound editing itself, as I mentioned in my review, is nomination-worthy, some viewers may feel as if they've been through that type of story before. And the simplest displays of, connection and power of self-reflection serve reminder that everything happens for a reason. It's the type of story that one could, could really watch and learn from in that respect. And it reminded me of a lot of sentiments of writers Russell T. Davies and Chris Chibnall and what they brought as showrunners to Doctor Who and how crossing through established events is forbidden and how... If one is not careful, the individual themselves could have the power to be their own worst enemy. So the sentimental element and how story impact can really speak to them is one of many things that have one of many movie moments, I should say, that have spoken to me so far in 2023.
0: That That is honestly a really good one. Perry, what about you? Uh, is there one particular uh, movie moment that stood out to you?
2: Um, There are many moments that stood out to me. Just because it's freshest on my mind because it hit theaters this particular weekend, I'll say uh, talk to me because one of my absolute favorite things about going to a film festival like Sundance, where you're seeing a whole bunch of movies that no one has seen before, they're making their world premiere, some of the movies there don't even have distribution yet. You get the opportunity to find hidden gems before anybody else sees them, before they get in front of the widest possible audience. And I was lucky enough to be one of the first to see Talk To Me and just immediately knew that that catchy concept was indeed going to catch on and wind up being a major crowd pleaser in the horror genre. And it was just the ultimate treat to have that experience at Sundance, to be able to follow the movie to South by Southwest, and then to Comic Con, and now it's getting a very warm reception in the states upon release, and I could not be happier for that filmmaking team.
0: Yeah, me, me neither. They um, they they really uh, impressed me coming coming from like the world of of YouTube and ma- making like a powerful impression with their directorial debut. I can't wait to see what they do next. As far as um the movie as far as uh the movie moment that really stands out to me, um it's probably well there there, there are many moments from across the Spider-Verse that that stand out, but it it's the stuff with with uh, Gwen and her father. I think I think that really impacted me the most. Um like every, every single time I've seen that movie it's it's those those scenes that every, everything from like the like the art style, the colors, the lighting, and just the performances from from Shea Wiggum and Haley Steinfeld are they're they're just so heartbreaking, but very satisfying by the time we get to the end. There there's one there's one topic I um, I remember not I don't remember like getting as much attention in last year's uh, FYC, and that's best original song. And I think this year the competition has gotten pretty fierce and we're still
1: barely halfway through the year.
0: 100%.
1: And it's a very, it's a, it's so impactful. Such a, it's the easiest way when one can look at, at particular selections of music written specifically for the screen and, and how, and how these are properly promoted. Like you can see, you can see these particular selections on as if you were in. Uh, in a in a store back in the day, in a music store or a, even a even a blockbuster, rest in peace, and 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 see on these screens like you see the latest releases, and then and then the music videos itself. It, it takes you back to that era of time. It's wonderful. Oh, certainly,
0: uh, Perry. Is there is there a song that uh, that you would like to see performed that night on the Oscars?
2: The the song, I mean, this is the obvious choice, and I do think it's going to have a very good shot of winning this award. The uh, Billie Eilish song in Barbie is is pretty incredible. And, you know, it's, it's one of those songs that, in addition to fitting quite well with the movie itself, is quite popular beyond the film. And I just have a feeling that that one-two punch of popularity is going to wind up getting it the nomination. But... We also still have a couple of other films this year that could probably break into that category that haven't come out. I'm really curious to see how The Color Purple turned out and if that one winds up getting a slot here. And then also a movie that I saw at Sundance with phenomenal music, uh, Flora and Son, the new John Carney movie. So if you know any of his work, you know that it is one to pay attention to in the song department.
0: Oh, yeah I'm very much looking forward to Flor and Sun for those who don't know uh, Sing Street was probably the movie that while I never got a chance to see it in theaters. I probably watched that like the most as soon as it came on uh v o d like I pretty much spent the entire the like the entire end of the summer like having that on loop, so yeah,
1: you bet I'm excited for Flora and Sun.
2: I still listen to the Sing Street soundtrack all the time,
1: same driving like you still still one of the be- one of the best songs even at the end of it one of Animal Levine's underrated underrated pieces of work and go now is just phenomenal.
0: Oh yeah. Um but speaking of Barbie, I think I I think I speak for most people who would just be thrilled to see Ryan Gosling performing just Ken.
2: I don't think anyone would argue with that. If we're talking about things that will boost the ratings, that will go on the list.
0: That or um, Jack Black performing peaches from the Super Mario Brothers movie
2: that as well There's a there's a bunch of uh, big names doing original songs this year that could be quite the lineup for live performances on the telecast.
1: took the words right out of my mouth That would be I mean peaches just the hilariousness I was I was working um, Connecticut this past weekend and there were several um, moments that, moments or segments that featured that song in general, and that taking it back to that pop culture, that pop culture reference. It's just really, you really feel just the, the impact of that type of music and boosting the ratings. I mean, to be fair, the past couple of years, have always been soft spots in my heart for particular pieces of, for particular pieces of music. But if I could make one case, it's it's got a long shot with the success of, of, Peaches and the Barbie songs, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I would make a big case just as the in to quote your words, Perry, the nomination itself being the win would be an original song resembling a perfect fit and combining its promotional story through lyrics and music video. And that's Demi Lovato and Mike Sinona's still alive from Scream Six. Hard to that disagree with
0: case. that. Um we uh Tommy and I were talking off air and I had two two songs that like like you said the nomination is the win one diegetic and one non-diegetic and my
1: two choices were Just Ken and Still Alive 100%. It's just that feeling that 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 that's the pure essence of and not only just as good of a song as it is when you look back and listen to that song right as we entered the end credits of Scream 6 it it's it like it reminds you of what the character, what these characters have gone through specifically in the case of specifically in the case of sam and her journey and where it's gotten to up to that point you just really you really really take in a deep breath and live and live that experience in that one moment
0: Carrie, i have to ask on a scale from one to ten how thrilled would you be if still alive actually landed uh a nomination
2: i would obviously be thrilled anything uh that pertains to the scream franchise that like gets award season love would make me pretty happy if i'm being realistic about it though i do not have a good feeling about seeing that one pop up on the list but in my heart it is deserving and i listen to that one quite a bit in my free time
0: nice um since since we since we're sticking with um vague award season talk there are two categories that i feel it's about damn time they be included one is best casting director and the other is best uh stunt performance um we'll start we'll start with the casting director first because th- this year we've seen some spot on casting whether it's live action roles or uh voiceover performances so Perry i have to ask Um, are there, are there any performances that you, that you think just completely understood the assignment?
2: Um, in terms of the ensemble as a whole, you mean?
0: Um, ensemble or individual?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, there's tons of great performances. I could go on and on about that. Um, I think Alyssa Sutherland is one of the best deadites we've ever seen in Evil Dead Rise because we just brought up Talk To Me. I think Joe Bird in particular as Riley is phenomenal in the film. Wait until you see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, if we're going to talk about animated performances, because the the kids who play the four turtles are absolutely perfect. One of my favorite performances out of uh, Sundance this year was Gaia Garcia Bernal for um, the movie Cassandra, which I believe is coming on Prime Video in September. And then uh, another performance that I love that I do think might have a chance of getting an Oscar nomination is Viola Davis in Air. She's phenomenal. Oh, and here's another one that I think has a real chance of getting some uh, acting nominations, Past Lives. All three of the actors in that main ensemble are doing next level work.
0: Oh yeah. Um great great choices. Tommy, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this question to you and while you're while you're talking, I'm gonna look up um the name of the casting director for um for Barbie because yeah, they, they deserve a lot of credit.
1: One hundred percent. And I'm I'm also looking forward to ever since you've You've uh you raved about uh, Cassandra at Sundance period. I've been really I've been wait I've been waiting, I've been waiting patiently to see when is this gonna come out so I can finally see it. So I'm really looking forward to that release as well. Um I would say from an animation side, um just I would say the 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 voice work the voice work in Suzume, I would say was is one that really sticks out to me on that level specifically i stand corrected i would say i'll, I'll, I'll throw that in there We'll also going also go, in, while also go in into the entire voice the selection of the voices behind the super mario brothers movie and the build-up to that to me is what really what really um they like for all the build-up and and non-nonsensical controversy that went behind like people think oh it's not the not the original mario it, they he took it chris pratt took it and make it made it his own and I think that, and not only that, but the entire cast as a whole, and of course, you know, Jack Black, enough said. Um, but going back to, and I'll piggyback off of this because there's one release in particular that I don't want to get into full on, full on that is the leading contender for award season that I that I feel, and I'll get to that because it's one of my one of my uh, podium recipients. So I'll save that for that particular point. But I think that's pretty much that pretty much that's pretty much it on that on that front that I can think of off the off the top of my head.
0: So I have the the names of the two uh, casting directors for Barbie. It's uh Lucy Bevan and Alison Jones and just just looking looking at um at this cast list it's it's just incredible. Obviously Ryan Gosling is like is like the name right now um for his performance as Ken, but you got Margot Robbie uh, Issa Rae, Kate McKinnon, Hari Neff, and the list just goes on. And of course, we can't, we can't have a conversation about casting without talking about Oppenheimer, but more on that one later. The, the other name as far as casting directors that we kind of have to talk about is Sarah Finn, who's been involved with the Marvel Cinematic Universe since probably at the very beginning. Um, like I, I think, I think she is more than more than due for some sort of awards recognition for for all of her work. And then the other category that that needs to be included is uh, best stunt work, which if you're an action fan, then uh, 2023 has had you fed. Would you guys agree?
2: If there was a 100%. stunt award, all of the awards should go to Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Those stunts were mind-blowing and it is something else to say that in that franchise because how do they raise the bar any higher? But they seem to every single time.
1: That is just just seeing that movie in IMAX by itself just for the stunts is worth the price of admission on its own. Absolutely phenomenal work and why isn't there a Why isn't there a stunt work specifically? This is the move. This movie is what it was made for. Categories like that were made for, and it's it, it could pr- it provide inspiration to go above and beyond in that format.
0: It's that, and also the John Wick franchise, which um, for for a while, uh, John Wick Chapter Four was my number one movie of the year, just because, like I, I I've said in previous podcasts that. That movie didn't just have action scenes; it had it had action suites, where they had like like ver- two like they had so many different varieties of of action sequences, different car chases, different hand to hand combat. They they packed a lot in a nearly three hour film, and seriously, that there there needs to be some sort of a, award recognition for that, um, and just stunts in general.
2: It should also be more box office success for a movie that good, but <laughs> there's there's only so much we could do about that part of it
0: indeed uh, anything else you guys want to bring up before we uh unveil the podium?
2: Oh I am very eager to to unveil the podium right now i'm I'm quite excited about the titles i have
0: awesome um now, i'm gonna start with a couple honorable mentions ones that didn't quite crack the top three but are just are are just titles that. I'm sort of begging the world to see Um, start starting with um, Nimona, which is currently streaming on Netflix. This is a movie that's been in development for quite a while at blue sky studio before, before Disney, unfortunately shut down their doors um, back in 2021, but it's found new life. uh, Thanks to the people at uh, at Annapurna and, uh, and Netflix and, it it is just an unapologetically like anarchic um awesome um awesome gorgeously animated film that really gets into uh fantastic uh lgbtq representation and and just themes of like um you know taking down corrupt institutions it's it's one of those movies that like i would highly recommend and then some others are asteroid city I think this is probably one of uh, Wes Anderson's best movies since uh, Moonrise Kingdom. And if you if you want just an, an absolute gut buster of a comedy, definitely uh, check out Joyride. I wish this movie did better in theaters, but um, hopefully it finds its audience someday. Tommy, do you have any uh, honorable mentions before we unveil the podium?
1: I do. I've got a few. Uh, let's see here. Going over my notes. In alphabetical order, there's no the only reason I, I I'm going in alphabetical order with this one. Charles R: The Making of a Monarch, which is a quick documentary for anyone looking to learn a quick insight to the recently crowned King of England. 80 for Brady, an original sports comedy centered around four friends in their 80s. Well, three friends as one is 75. Their traditions, love for the New England Patriots and their journey to Super Bowl 51. It is the type of 2023 release that could be seen as a motivational tool if one was preparing for the upcoming season of fantasy football. Rylane, a wonderfully welcome take on romantic comedy, exquisitely filmed from the perspective of the mindset opening up, the providence of a push from the most unlikely of places, a welcome story that fits brilliantly with the time, so, and be on the lookout as you watch it for a perfectly timed, uncredited cameo destined to catch the viewer by a welcome surprise. And Suzume, a story centered around the themes of acceptance, adventure, and rejection. I am so glad that this story was brought to my attention during the trailer reel when I attended Megacon this past spring. It is a journey that someone somewhere out there needed to see. Awesome.
0: Perry, what about you? Um, Do you have any uh, honorable mentions to share?
2: That I do. I've already mentioned a couple of them, but these are movies that are That are so high up on my list, they will all be in contention for my top 10 of the year. I absolutely adored Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. I love the way that they captured those voice performances with mostly the, uh, the four actors who played the turtles doing their sessions together makes their their chemistry stronger than ever i think the crosstalk really helps with the authenticity of that brotherly vibe they have and the animation in that is just absolutely stellar looking the detail and the texture and the fact that you could feel that every single stitch of that movie was made by by people by true artists i love that movie i'm also a very big fan of rob savages the boogeyman I'm a big Stephen King reader, and I was always wondering how you would take that short story and turn it into a really solid feature. And I think he did it just the right way, where the short story is done justice in a single scene and then really beautifully expanded upon via a story of a family dealing with grief. Some of those scares are so wildly effective uh cassandro is another excellent one i already brought that one up you're going to be able to catch that on prime video really soon it's another one with a phenomenal ensemble the athleticism on display in that movie is something else and the true story is also just hugely inspiring and something that more people should be aware of uh speaking of true stories um i also love air quite a bit it's one of the first movies this year that i walked out of and said to myself watch out for that one. It could be a big Academy Awards uh, contender. I I don't know if I'm feeling as confident in that prediction anymore just because it didn't seem like that movie made as much noise as it would need to in order to last all of these months into award season time, but we'll see. I'm rooting for it. And then another Sundance movie that was phenomenal was Past Lives. And that, that is one that I would watch out for. I am hoping it breaks into the Oscar conversation, but in, in uh, particular, the uh, Independent Spirit Award should be a an award show where that movie really thrives.
0: Nice. All right. So without further ado, it's time to unveil the podium. We will start with uh, the bronze medal. Tommy, would you like to go first?
1: Absolutely, Captain. I will begin with my selection for my bronze medal recipient. When announcement teaser trailers are played at a movie theater, specifically over a year out from the project's scheduled date of release, the viewer gets an idea that, regardless of how the final product turns out, they are destined to be in the midst of something special. This was the case last summer. Just before the lights fully dimmed for Nope, in the vein of a countdown, the world got its first glimpse of a biopic centered around the scientists whom... Kybird and Martin J. Sherwin dubbed the American Prometheus Oppenheimer. Now that Oppenheimer has been released, it serves serves as the epitome of a historic cinematic epic in the vein of a biopic. There is a reason as to why Christopher Nolan can be seen as rightfully placed alongside Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg on a a Mount Rushmore of best directors of a generation. The spectacular celebration of the craft with the choice to film on film, combined with different color selections for the sake of orientation and character development, and pristine sound editing that flows through the viewer is an experience unlike anything we have seen at the movies in 2023. Oppenheimer could now be seen as the leading contender for award season, specifically in the categories of Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Cillian Murphy, Best Supporting Actor for Robert Downey Jr. Best Adapted Screenplay by Christopher Nolan, based on the biographical novel *American Prometheus*. Best Original Score, Best Cinematography, Sound Editing, Production Design, and Costume Design. And backtracking to our to our conversation about outstanding direction and casting, this was what I was alluding to and holding off to get to that moment. My God, that cast! Seeing so many recognizable faces from over the years being a part of this this master class is just incredible there are two reasons oppenheimer in my eyes has not received a perfect score the first is due to uh, noticeable usage of audio dialogue replacement in some shots the second was the result of an editing showcase in a scene that sees a character undoing their bow tie in one shot before it cuts to another character then back to said character where their bow tie is made in full before to cut to another character, then back to said character where their bow tie is down once more. That said, seek Oppenheimer out in IMAX for the full experience. If you are fortunate, seek out the IMAX 70mm experience where you will be able to witness the movie as Christopher Nolan envisioned the final product to be seen. A generational cinematic experience. Oppenheimer, one of 2023's best films.
0: I will have more to add to that later, but Perry... um... What is your uh, bronze medal recipient?
2: My bronze medal recipient, current number three of the year, is Talk To Me. Again, everyone knows I love horror movies. In particular, I I tend to fall pretty hard for horror movies with a really catchy core concept. And that's what the embalmed hand in Talk To Me is. And I think it's brilliantly used as a highly entertaining fun-to-watch horror movie device where this whole idea of somebody be- being able to willingly become possessed via this hand is just pure genius. It makes the first half of the movie like a thrill to watch to the point that you are sitting there wondering, would I do that myself? Would I hold the hand, say, talk to me and let me in? But then I think it's the back half of the movie that really beefs up the thematic heft and the character arcs that you experience in the film. It's the, it's the complete package. It's a good time at the theater. It's a very successful, uh, creepy concept, but it's also got some, some real heft and meaning to it. And also, because we've talked about casting directors, a phenomenal young ensemble. I've already mentioned Joe Bird, but Sophie Wilde as the lead is something else. And really, I can name drop every single cast member in that film, and they're delivering it top not- top-notch work. All names that, if you don't know them yet, I do have a good feeling you're bound to know them in the future. I am obsessed with this movie.
0: So Talk To Me sets just out, like, just- outside of the podium it's it's my number five movie of the year but honestly i stand by everything you said from you know from the casting to you know the production design all of the practical effects um on display it's it's one of those movies that i'm i'm glad uh fine like i finally got to see and that um probably won't um won't be like the top like the top movie of this weekend but it's it's going to find its audience, and we're. I have a feeling we're going to see more of this uh, mythology in the future. Um, but my number three is the, th- the thing is, any one of these movies could have been number one at one point or another, and the first one to really take that spot was Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Um, obviously, if you know me, you know how much animation means to me, and while I wish. Uh, the working conditions were, um, you know, better than, than they apparently were, um, during the making of this. That doesn't change the fact that this is still an incredible piece of, uh, like just incredible work. Um, like the animation, um, that w- began with Into the Spider Verse has been taken up a notch. The story is just epic. The performances are phenomenal. This this is just a movie that uh, that I just find incredibly special. So now we go to the silver medal recipient, Perry. Do you want to uh, give us your uh, your choice?
2: my silver medal number two choice is Evil Dead Rise. I've been rooting for director Lee Cronin ever since seeing his feature directorial debut at Sundance and. You know, I watched that movie, The Hole in the Ground, and I see the signs of a very talented filmmaker, but I don't really think many people out there looked at The Hole in the Ground and said to themselves, that director would be a great fit for the Evil Dead franchise. They're two completely different forms of horror, but now when you pair Hole in the Ground with Evil Dead Rise, it is abundantly clear that Lee Cronin is capable of anything He basically hits that magical sweet spot in the continuation of any franchise where he does the previous films justice and has little nods to each of them which is an achievement because every single Evil Dead film in that film franchise and you know also including the uh, series that I love so much as versus Evil Dead they're all slightly different and he manages to capture qualities of each and every single one of them but while also making Evil Dead Rise feel uniquely his own and There aren't very many filmmakers capable of doing all of that at once, but he excels in that respect quite a bit. And the movie is just a bloody, gory blast. Talk about, like, really expertly crafted, over-the-top kill scenes with some of the most violent deaths imaginable and so much blood and just so much creativity. That movie delighted me to no end. I have watched it more times than I can count this year, and I will continue to watch it again and again. Nice. Uh,
0: Tommy, who is your uh, silver medal recipient?
1: When I thought of my selection for the silver medal recipient, it came to me in the same mannerism on how this particular selection came to me. Sometimes a movie may come to an individual when they least expect it. They see the imagery on what could be the feature's home media case or the description from an on-demand library or streaming service. Their curiosity peaks. They rent the feature, they press play, and they begin their viewing. During their viewing, they realize there was a reason they selected this particular feature. They are not only learning from the experience, but realize it as being there for them when they least expect it. Sam now. Reed Harkness constructed this coming-of-age documentary that followed himself and his half-brother Sam Harkness in a journey to discover what and why... A specific moment transpired during their upbringing, along with the effects of that moment and how all parties involved evolved over a period of time. That is pretty much all I want to say, as I feel expressing any further sentiments or plot points could ultimately deter the viewer's experience of Sam Now, where they would be unable to capture the documentary's full weight and pull I feel that it's best going into the film knowing as little as possible, though it would be unfair if I didn't provide a proper disclaimer saying that while I recommend it, um, some of the subject matter may not be suitable for all viewers. That said, the documentary is available now on PBS.org under their Independent Lens section and PBS Passport. Please see this while you can. It is an experience that forward me.
0: Wow, that sound, that sounds um like a real winner. Um my silver medal recipient is Past Lives. Um it's it's probably the most um minimalist movie um on on this list, but it, it's just one it's just one of those that uh that just cut deep emotionally. Um you know, it's it's a it's a pretty simple story but but very um, very engaging. With these two performances and and just the overall experiences um that these characters share um like and we we were talking about directorial debuts i think um i think saline song has a very bright future ahead of her um if if this is how she's um starting her film career i can't wait to see where she goes from here and now it's time for that uh gold medal recipient so perry what do you got
2: Mine's pretty obvious. Mine has to be Scream 6. That is my favorite film franchise of all time. And now not only has Radio Silence given me one stellar new installment to my favorite franchise, but they have given me two. And somehow, like as much as I love Scream 5, I am currently ranking Scream 6 above Scream 5 for for a number of reasons. Like in particular, Scream six has one of my favorite scream attack sequences of the entire franchise. It's the, the Gale versus Ghostface attack, which I think is just like a plus action and intensity and performance work across the board. But one of the other reasons why I have Scream six ranked so highly, obviously for my favorite films of 2023, but also within my favorite film franchise ever. Is because of the core four we're always talking about this when we're discussing the continuation of long-running horror franchises that eventually you hit the point where you want to have a passing of the torch to a younger generation and very few film franchises can can do it very few film franchises can get the hardcore fans to you know start to let go of the original main characters in favor of newcomers but Scream 6 marks the point that they did it. I think they started to do it in Scream 5, but with the establishment of the core four in Scream 6, I can confidently say that while I love Scream's big three more than anything in the world, I feel quite confident going into the future of Scream with the core four leading the way. That doesn't necessarily close the door to certain returns, but I think I have hit the point where I love the core four just as much as some of my favorite Scream characters from the past films. And that is just like, I don't know, that's one of the biggest accomplishments in my book.
0: Oh, certainly. Tommy, uh,
1: your gold recipient? All right. The gold medal. Earlier in the show, I talked about how specific storytelling has the power to speak to the viewer. A special feeling felt from within. A feeling that could come through one of many different outlets. A scene from a movie. A song on the radio. The words of a writer, the competitiveness of an athlete or the performance of a stage actor. For Sonny Vaccaro, it was through witnessing a television commercial centered around a catered tennis racket. He realized everything his employer, Nike Incorporated, was doing wrong. Nike's competition, Converse and Adidas, were ahead in sales by a percentage difference as much as 110.5%. Nike needed a new strategy to make them stand out. And picking random NCAA Division I basketball prospects was not covenant. Thinking back on the aforementioned tennis racket commercial, Vicaro viewed a playback cassette of the 1982 NCAA Division I men's basketball championship game. Witnessing the performance of a freshman player, he felt something special. It inspired Vicaro to pitch the athlete as the center focus. Of Nike's basketball division. Unprecedented at the time, it would go on to change the way apparel of any sort would be marketed. The player. The movie air. Alex Convery's screenplay brilliantly allots the viewer to feel as if they are physically alongside these individuals in their respective journeys. The realism. Highlighted from the simplest of conversations at a 7-Eleven between clerk and customer to a discussion centered around the true meaning of Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA when Vigaro shares a scene with Rob Strasser played by Jason Bateman in a career best performance. The viewer feels what's at risk for both individuals, yet it's not hammered down the viewer's throat in overly dramatic fashion. The delivery of simple explanation is all the viewer needs to understand the journey and its stakes. Further genius of Converse screenplay comes at a moment where the viewer will feel content that the eventual pitch will go exactly according to plan when a welcomed curveball highlights the importance of always having a plan B. The realism of Damon's delivery in that moment is what seals the deal. Ben Affleck's direction, combined with Robert Richardson's cinematography and William Goldenberg's editing, elevate this 1980s period piece not merely through its pop culture references and needle drops, but through the emotional impact of the simplest of significant moments. This is on full display during Nike's pitch to the Jordan family. The viewer becomes emotional as Michael picks up the Air Jordan prototype design for the first time. They feel the significance of that one moment, a significance of power they recognize as world-changing. If I were able to send a message to the powers that be at Amazon Studios, I would tell them to keep air in their back pocket. Create a campaign for awards consideration and when the time is right, go all in they have a winner on their hands and if they play their cards right the voters will hear them and this movie speak to them just as Michael Jordan's talent spoke to Sonny Vaccaro and how the Air Jordan sneaker spoke to Michael
0: before I give my uh my gold medal um recipient I just want to point out that um something I love about all of our lists is that um for for the most part there there's a nice healthy variety of um of genres represented and for the most part um like we we each had different different choices in our top three um but that's about that's about to change because my number one is tommy's number three and that's oppenheimer i don't think i'm exaggerating when i say that this might be christopher nolan's masterpiece the film that well, while, while he may have only, um, discovered this idea recently, it feels like a movie that he's, he's been like wanting to make for years. Like everything in his career has been building up to this, this, um, incredible three hour epic that you would, you wouldn't think be, would be as, um, you know, as impactful in terms of box office um in the current landscape as it is now but you know no one is just one of those directors that can pull off pre- pretty much anything and this movie kind of has it all it has a little bit of it has a little bit of horror during during that scene in the in the gymnasium um it has phenomenal casting um excellent cinematography by uh hoyt van hotema and of course um like the score by Ludwig Goranson is probably one of, one of his best of all time. Um, yeah. Oppenheimer is definitely a film that you, that you need to experience on the largest screen possible. So, yeah. Um, now before, before we wrap up, I do kind of want to, um, throw one more question. Um, you know, uh, what, like depending on what movies, um, you know, keep their release date. Are there are there any titles in the second half of the year that you guys are looking forward to? Perry, I'll start with you.
2: The Hunger Games Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. That is the quickest answer I could give. I am obsessed with those books and I also was very into the movies. I was a little worried about the idea of them doing a prequel story, especially after all Katniss fought for. Why would I want to go back and re experience another Hunger Games Then I actually read Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes and it is a damn good book, a really interesting story. And it's one of those things where if the movie is as good as it needs to be, it could wind up changing how you rewatch the other four Hunger Games movies. So I've got a lot of faith in that story and very, very high hopes for that film. Um,
0: Yeah, I've I've only just recently seen that first full trailer. And yeah, um, my favorite of, of the movies is is still catching fire but this one looks like it has a lot of potential tommy what about you
1: well i'll also add that seeing seeing the original hunger games opening night on at uh alamo draft house west lakes in san antonio was that was that was an incredible experience in and of itself that talking back earlier will also live with me forever i would say that there are a lot of different we are in for quite a year in regards to in, in regards to that aforementioned variety we were talking about earlier but I mean you've got Blue Beetle. I, I was supposed to see mutant mayhem on the morning of this recording but I had but I had a conflict that I'm that I didn't get to but I look forward to seeing that later. And then of course you got Napoleon, Wonka, the creator and right before when I saw Oppenheimer I saw the trailer for the next Exorcist movie. I'm that that in and of itself, the moment I heard just the tidbit of the music, I knew exactly what it was and I was hooked. So I'm looking forward to that. And of course, and of course, Cassandra. Uh,
0: by the time, by the time this podcast is up, I will have seen, um, Mutant Mayhem. So, but for the longest time, yeah, that, that one was up there as, as one of my most anticipated. Um, the other ones are Dune, uh, part two, because I was just a huge fan of of the first film and I really can't wait to see what um Denis Villeneuve was holding back in part 1 and um just chomping at the bit to uh to release in part 2. There's also um Gareth Edwards new film uh The Creator and sort of the end of Disney's uh 100 year uh celebration is their next uh animated feature Wish which Look, it looks it looks just gorgeous with that uh 2D 3D hybrid uh, art style, and also a return to a more traditional um, villain with Chris with Chris Pine um, playing this character. So yeah, 2023 I'm hoping ends on a high note. But that takes us to the end of of this podcast. Um, first of all, Perry, thank you for for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Where can people find you online?
2: Thank you guys for having me. Um, I am all over the place online. You can find me on Collider, on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. <laughs> the list goes on and on. But go watch Collider Ladies Night.
1: <laughs> yes. And uh Tommy, where can everyone find you? You can follow me on Twitter at T underscore Hughes35, YouTube, Instagram, Letterboxd, LinkTree at the T Money35. Be sure to be sure to uh Follow me on my second Instagram dedicated to cooking at cooking with T money. As for my latest projects uh, on my YouTube channel, you can check out my performance from earlier this month at white rabbit theaters, variety Fundraiser saving for rent, where I performed a number off Sir Paul McCartney's 2001 album, driving rain. Uh, If you're listening to us uh, in the garden state of New Jersey, there's still time to pick up a copy of this month's edition of Denville life, where I have two features written about Denville community media and the journey of New Jersey born NASCAR driver, Stephen Malozzi. The last word on sports. You can check out my latest feature lobbying for the SB Awards to consider motorsport teams for nomination of their biggest category, the recognition of best team. And I see him anxiously wanting to speak in the waiting area to give his take on a particular theory, but we ran out of ch- we ran out of time, so we apologize to Matt Donato. Stu is kaput. All right, you guys can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky at CaptainK42.
0: You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And you can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. You can also find us on YouTube, on Podchaser. Subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash RenegadePopCulture. Listen to all of our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And last but not least, everything can be found at RenegadePopCulture.com. Mean to escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Marquee. We will catch you guys later. Peace out.